0: Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I am Jack Ford. So, if you have been following the intersection of the world of sports and the law, and the world of sports, the law, and gambling, I'm sure you're familiar with the fact that the U.S. Supreme Court stepped into that breach fairly recently with a seismic decision that change literally has changed the landscape with regard to betting and sports, especially college sports. Uh, so we wanted to learn some more about it, and, and we're delighted to have somebody who has researched it. And uh, indeed, Brian Bernstead, who is the NCAA Champion Magazine associate editor, was the author of an article called Doubling Down, which appeared in the summer issue 2019 of Champion Magazine. And we're always good to have a chance to talk sort of on the record with Brian. Good to see you. Happy to chat with you, Jack. Good. So uh, let's, let's get a, a sense of uh, context for this leading up to the decision, Supreme Court decision. And then we're going to f- take a look at what your article focused on is essentially where we go from here. So um, I talked about the decision as being fairly seismic here. Um, e- explain where we were in terms of sports betting and sports gambling before this Supreme Court decision.
1: Certainly. So as I'm sure many listeners are aware, you could go place a single game sports vet in Nevada. Las Vegas has sports books. You know, you come in from out of town, you can go place your bets there. But, but before the Supreme Court change, uh, you couldn't do it anywhere else. Um, and so states were fighting that, namely New Jersey wanted to uh, be able to implement su- uh, single game sports betting uh, in their state. And it had been a kind of a decades long battle between New Jersey. And the, the pro leagues, the NFL was involved, the NBA was involved, NCAA uh, was at the forefront, too, in this, in this well, kind of decade-plus-long court battle uh, that ultimately wound up in the Supreme Court. Um, and PASPA was the name of the regulation. It was, a, it was um, uh, something that Congress had pushed through decades ago that, that uh, prohibited states from establishing regulated sports wagering markets. Uh, and ultimately, in May 2018, the Supreme Court said PASPA is unconstitutional. They didn't say, hey, sports wagering is now legalized in every state. They said, states, you have the right, right. to create these markets.
0: So when we talked about the state battle, and, and, and as you know, I did a story on this for uh, 60 Minutes for 60 Minutes Sports, and we were focusing on the battle in, in New Jersey. This is about four years or so ago, leading up to all of this. And um, the, the New Jersey basically had said, look, we think we should be able to decide within our own boundaries what's acceptable. And they also, not incidentally, thought this would be an a, a a marvelous revenue-generating no uh, activity, yeah. which is uh, not surprisingly, right. which was was motivating it all. You mentioned that the the professional sports leagues, the NCA, were involved involved in what capacity? What were their positions leading up to this Supreme Court decision?
1: So the position the position was that uh, well, they were all working together; their legal teams were working in concert to try to to maintain the prohibition, to maintain PASPA. Uh, The rationale being that, hey, our athletes may be vulnerable, right, Uh, particularly at the college level, uh, vulnerable to persuasion, to to more easily throw a game, Um, and that if these markets grow, you could see a litany of other problems uh, manifest, but that that was chief among them. Uh, The NCAA remained resolute. You started to see, while on the legal front, the pro leagues were still in lockstep, the NCAA in the courtroom, you started to see some rumblings that maybe they were understanding the, the revenue potential there as well. And so the NBA in particular was starting to, to kind of send signals that, ah uh, you know, if this doesn't go our way in court, we're, you know, we may, we may welcome a change or may at least be able to adapt to a change. Whereas college athletics environment's a little different from the professional one. It's the, the kids are more easily accessible. Uh, there's just more of a chance for improprieties to take place, and so the NCAA has always been firmly against this sort of expansion.
0: Indeed, I think it's fair to say that the pro leagues were saying, "Okay, if we're going to, if this case is going to go against us, this decision go against us in the Supreme Court, well, how can we monetize it? Mm-hmm. You know, if, yep. if things are going to change, yep. right? How do we benefit yep. from it? Obviously, yep. so the the Supreme Court and. and and I think you laid it out well. But bottom line, they they said, uh, look, it's up to the states. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to let the federal government say, you can have it, but nobody else can have it. Um, so it's going to be up to the states. Where are we right now in terms of how many states have said, all right, good, we're good with this now. We're going to create some sort of format that would allow for sports betting.
1: So it's moving fast, mm-hmm. uh, unsurprisingly, given that what you alluded to earlier, the mm-hmm. the revenue potential is, is vast for these states. And so when I reported the piece... I believe we're up to 18 or 19 states, including the District of Columbia, uh, and that uh, has has, prog- has progressed and will progress more uh, within state legislatures. Anticipated the numbers that I found when I talked to some industry consultants, we we're looking at about 30 states would have it legalized and implemented by about 2022. So already, that's you know that's that's a pretty healthy healthy chunk of the nation, and I think you're going to see it. Uh, expand even further in the coming decade. I'm
0: going to get to the, the the college sports component of this in a second, but some of the the things in in your reporting, I was astonished by. And and you, you talked about the, the the revenue in 2018 being nearly 500 million dollars, with a projection for 2019 up to 800 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's what the staggering number was. This is a projection, of course, but if all 50 states decide to allow this. The projection was it could be almost $300 billion yeah. in terms of revenue yeah. from, from this or, or, or betting amount, The, the amount, betting. the amount. Not, bet, not the, the revenue, amount, yeah. but the amount bet mm-hmm. placed in
1: that. Um, that's, that's
0: an enormous number. Were you surprised it's, by that uh, number?
1: I, I was staggered. And, of course, that's a projection, and that takes into account if all 50 states did, which we right. may never get there, right? Mm. It Maybe it stops at 40. But still... I think that just gives you a sense of just how big this market can be, how much, how much public interest there is in engaging in this. I think a lot of people in the public uh, gambling may be their entry point into sports fandom. It, it, it may be the only reason why they, they follow sports in the first place. A lot of people are drawn in by fantasy sports, daily fantasy. That's a form of gambling. Uh, that's a way in. And, and then the single game wagering, uh, which was disbarred now and is now going to be legal in these states. That's just another entry point, another way to entice fans. Uh, and so the market potential is huge. And from that, tax revenue for many profits there is, is massive as well.
0: So since the Supreme Court decision, what has been the NCAA? By the NCAA, I mean their member institutions. What has has been, more than a thousand of them? What has been the NCAA's position on this notion
1: of betting on um,
0: on on college sports events?
1: Oh, sure. So that the uh, the notion that the NCAA would ever support that 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 didn't shift with the Supreme Court decision at all. They have maintained the rules against betting among. Uh, student athletes, among coaches, among administrators. I don't foresee that shifting in any way just because the laws changed. Um, uh, so, in response to what the Supreme Court did, the NCAA had spent so long fighting it. Suddenly, we're faced with this new reality overnight when this decision comes out. Okay, what's the NCAA going to do? What are schools going to do? Uh, and so, the impetus and the resources shifted from fighting this to Kind of accommodating accounting for this new this new reality and so the NCAA convened an ad hoc committee, its board of governors convened an ad hoc committee to examine all the different tendrils all the different ways that this could affect student athletes could affect society writ large uh, to, to try to to see how we're going to account for this new environment
0: I know that some people looked at this decision afterwards and I know people came to me and, and asked me about it. people had seen the story that I had done and uh, the reaction of a lot of us well, wait a minute. So, if now let's use state of New Jersey. If now sports betting is legal in the state of New Jersey, indeed there are shops, you know, set up in different locations. Some at racetracks, some other places for it. They have said to me, well, does that not necessarily mean that um, you know student athletes in the New Jersey institutions are now free to place bets on? sporting events, college sporting events.
1: Which is obviously, it's not the case, yeah. certainly. Even and they the might say, well,
0: changed. wait a minute, if it's if it's legal, then how can you say they can't do it? And what's the answer to that?
1: Well, oh, the answer is uh, you can still, an organization in the interests of the organization and the people who make it up, the student athletes, coaches, et cetera, can make rules that, I won't say run contrary to law, but are, are, are different. If something's mm-hmm. allowed via law, you can still prohibit it, no different than all the pro sports leagues still prohibit uh, recreational drug use, prohibit marijuana use, even though we've seen it legalized in several states. This is no different. As states legalize sports wagering, the NCAA can still say, hey, it's in our best interest, it's in student-athletes' best interest to main, maintain this prohibition because of vulnerabilities to problem gambling, which uh, student-athletes, particularly young males, are... You know, let, me, let me talk about that, because sure.
0: that gets me to the next question I was sure. going to ask you, which is, you know, talk about the tensions between the two of them, and and what then are the major concerns that the NCAA and the various colleges and universities um, have about
1: the idea of betting on, on college sports. Sure. So it's, it's really uh, two-pronged. The first is what I was just alluding to, problem gambling. Uh, about 2% of the population uh, is, uh, is considered to have problem gambling tendencies currently, uh, and it's, the proportion is, is somewhat higher among young males. Those are the most uh, predisposed to having issues. And so that's your student-athlete population right there. And so if suddenly uh, they're going to be marketed to, Uh, they're going to be the target of all these marketing dollars, then they may be more vulnerable. You might see that percentage tick up as sports wagering becomes more accepted societally. That's one thing. Uh, Two is the vulnerabilities uh, for potential malfeasance. And so here we're talking about game integrity. We're talking about throwing games. We've we, we've known about that. That's happened intermittently through the NCAA's history. It started in the 50s with the right college up. basketball yeah, scandal.
0: Point-shaving scandals. There have been a few of them. As you mentioned in your piece, there, there, that was the major one people know, mm-hmm. but there have been a few of them since.
1: Yep, there have been a handful. There have been about a dozen or so uh, in, the, in the intervening years. Uh, but as these markets expand you're going to have more and more money flooding those markets and you're going to have more and more people looking to gain an edge and how do you gain an edge you go try to Maybe nudge the players to shave some points or maybe try to get a bit of info from a player's roommate or an athletic trainer, Uh, particularly maybe it's a graduate assistant athletic trainer who's not really making much money.
0: So information about injuries that other people, the public would not have.
1: How's the starting quarterback's left knee? Uh, We know it's dinged up, but, you know, we're not – the school doesn't release that publicly, but this athletic trainer might know. Uh, or a coach, or a coach of another team who happens to share the training room with the football team. There's, there's so many entry points, and as these markets expand, that's where the vulnerabilities are going to exist. You made a really interesting point that I hadn't thought of in, in
0: reading the article, and you talked about with the, the, the evolution, the advances in terms of mobile devices, and, and how in the, in the betting world, you know, to, in, in reporting my story, I went to London, and I went to some of these William Hill, they call them shops. And you could bet on anything, mm-hmm. you know. I, I mean, what color the socks are going to be <laughs> that somebody's going to decide to wear on something. And, and you, you touch base on that in your article talking about how, you know, you could have different bets where you could have an impact on the integrity of the game but without actually throwing the game. It doesn't yep. have to be as much as point-shaving saying, you've got to make sure you lose this game. right. Exactly. Yeah. They, describe some of those situations. So
1: those are those are known as prop bets for anyone who's familiar uh, with sports gambling. And so yeah, there. To your point, you're not maybe we're not going to throw the game or throw the outcome, but if I'm the starting running back and I know okay, my, the line on my yardage total of this game is 75, maybe I can make sure I get 73, right? And, we and the fact that the there game. is a line, right. somebody could bet right. how much, how many yards you're going to get. Right. And there, and you're going. These already exist. They exist in Vegas. They exist in the offshore mobile apps that people are familiar with now. But as states start introducing new mobile apps and new uh, gambling providers start emerging, they're going to have to compete with each other, right? And so what makes my app more appealing than the the other guys in New Jersey? Well, I have all these cool, fun prop bets that maybe you'll want to make throughout the game or before a game. Uh, And so you're going to see the prop bet market explode. And then, again, you have those individual vulnerabilities pop up. If you have a prop bet tethered to a young college athlete, uh, and there's a lot of money riding on his individual performance. Well, now there's an impetus to go, get him to throw it, or mm-hmm. to try to get a bit more information about whatever his injury status is, or if he's having a relationship problem, or anything like that. Um, so mm-hmm. it just it just ratchets the pressure up on so many fronts.
0: If you if if we look at the again the college sports area, and again you had some of these statistics in your in your story. And I was struck by the, the percentage. You looked at the percentage of male athletes who admitted. This is sort of a self-revealing uh, self, yeah. kind of thing. So who knows how much more. But, but it, 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 who had bet on sports um, it, and you had it, who had bet. It was like 55% of them had bet and 24% had actually bet on sports. Yeah. Did those numbers surprise you?
1: They did. Yep. Uh, These are
0: the males, the men.
1: Right. And, and it is higher. It is considerably higher among males. Um, I guess I should say they did and they didn't, because in talking with some athletes for the piece, they, you know, they said, oh, yeah, we hear t- teammates play fantasy mm-hmm. or, or, yeah, sure, teammates. These, you know, you can download a, a Bovada or a MyBookie app pretty easily. It's an offshore account. And so that's the target demographic. So I guess it's not terribly surprising that, that kids were already betting. Um, maybe they're not aware of the potential punishments. Maybe they just say, ah, I'm not going to get caught. How mm-hmm. in the world are they going to catch me if I'm placing these small bets? Um, and, th- and that market and that proportion, I think, from a lot of people I talk to is going to grow. Those numbers you just cited are inevitably, inevitably going to grow because uh, one of the market researchers I talked to compared it to legalized marijuana, right? As marijuana gets legalized, you know, maybe some people are thinking about trying it, but there's a stigma. It's illegal. You don't want to get caught. But if I can walk down the street and go to a store and buy it legally, maybe I'm more prone to do so. No different with sports betting. If I can download a state-sanctioned app and place a bet, uh, maybe I'm more likely to do so than funneling my money to this offshore account or, or making it, doing it when I'm on a trip to Vegas and I know it's against rules, et cetera, things like that.
0: You mentioned before the notion of fantasy leagues, and you had a, a point in, your, in the article where you talked about the idea of, you know, you want to play in a fantasy league and there's an upfront fee
1: to get into it. Mm-hmm, for some. It, for some.
0: Is that okay as of now in terms of NCAA rules?
1: It, as of now, it's not. Yeah. It's still prohibited. But it's something that I think that the internal staff and uh, the board of governors and relevant committees are, are examining little nuances like that. as mm-hmm. such a vast proportion uh, of our society, particularly young athletes, young males might play fantasy sports. Say it's a fantasy football league. It's not related to college sports. It has call it a fifty dollar entry fee. It's something you've done with your high school buddies for years. Uh, I think the the quote I had from, from someone in the piece that's that's examining this internally is, you know, is that is that really what we want to be policing? You know, is, is that really what, is that the heart of the matter here? So you may see those little nuances, little changes like that coming within the next year or so as, as these rules get interrogated in the wake of this new environment that we're in.
0: Last area for you here is, is you provide a bit of a sort of news you can use component to this article sure. in, in providing suggestions. Um, for, for programs moving forward in this sort of uncertain landscape now. What kind of things, what kind of suggestions did you have for the program?
1: Sure. So talked with a, there's a couple schools that ha, are pretty well versed in this. UNLV, I talked mm-hmm. to several people there. They're obviously, that's the lead of the story. They're about a mile right. from the Strip, right? They've yeah. lived in this environment for decades, and, they, and they've done fine. There haven't been any real major scandals coming out of that, despite that proximity. University of Missouri also uh, years ago, I uh, created a kind of a campus-wide gambling task force to interrogate the issue and and kind of the common threads there really the the backbone of of what they do and what I think the NCAA is going to try to do based on learnings from schools like that is education is it's just it's just it has to be a constant stream of information about here's what the rules are here's what your vulnerabilities are for integrity issues and for for again for for gambling problem risk gambling addiction risk um And so really, uh, a lot of the people I talked to on that front said some schools are lacking in their uh, counseling centers where, yes, we encounter drug problems and alcohol problems all the time, but gambling issues, we're not trained up on that, right? Mm -hmm. So investing in adequate training for people in your counseling centers to handle gambling addiction, look for those signs. Uh, Going to your financial aid office or cashier's office and saying, hey, here are warning signs of problem gambling. Someone keeps coming for emergency loans. And their excuses seem flimsy, and they seem erratic. That may be a sign that you need to maybe refer them to a counseling center for help for problem gambling. There's there's little things like that, and uh, and really importantly, I know there's always been kind of a wall between college athletics and the gambling industry, but uh, it's really vital. UNLV does this where they talk with their you know their gaming commissions, their regulators. You know that they're not shy about maintaining that relationship because it's beneficial for all involved. You. The, the gaming commissions have a vested interest in making sure that, that games aren't being thrown. They, you know, they have a vested interest in maintaining integrity just as the schools don't want their their kids caught up in any of that. And so making those connections, if, if this is happening in your state, which it very well may be given the numbers we're seeing, then then reach out make those connections because they're not going to rebuff you. I think that was the message that a lot of these administrators who've been in this world had. Yeah.
0: And, and good advice for them. Uh, once again, the article is called Doubling Down in the Summer Edition 2019. Um, of, of the magazine. Brian Burnside, um, NCAA Champion Magazine Associate Editor. Uh, just great reporting, great article, just both informational and background and, and helpful advice for people, uh, and always fun to sit down and talk with you. Thank you. Definitely Brian. enjoyed it, Jack. Thank you. All right. You be well. That does it for this edition of the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking with you again real soon.